not kissing. Uh, Bill asked me to just mention a few things before we have a veteran come up and speak to us. Uh, our country today is battle-worn and sore from a lot of areas. Ukraine, everything. But in the ranks of the Marines, Army, Navy, Air Force, National Guard, Coast Guard, and more, <laughs> we stand secure Americans of all nationalities, hand in hand, arm in arm, and we have a feeling of hope, peace, joy, and pursuit of happiness. I know we've had some downtimes, and people say, how can you say that? But you know what? We have the right, with a capital R-I-G-H-T, to be free. Amen. Somebody needs to shout, yes, yes, all right. And we know, we know our debt has been paid by fighting men and women from all quarters of our great nation. Men and women who gave up home, health, family, and life, not for just part-time freedom, but who stood in the gap for us to possess and enjoy a freedom no other country or nation has. Full, capital F-U-L-L, full freedom. We have, we are free Americans. Y'all believe that? Or do I have to cheerlead up here, okay? Our hats are off to every one of you veterans. And we applaud every work that all Americans have sacrificed on the altar of democracy. We honor you, and our hats are off to you for letting us stay here and be free while y'all were out in the fields. And not only that, not only the men, but the women, the wives of those men that were out there. How many veterans' wives do we have that are, they've already passed away? You need to stand for them. Yeah. Shirley Murphy is one. Is there any other ones? And Linda Blankenship. They, they had men that were in the service, and they traveled with them, and they were with them, and they fought just as hard as they did. And so that's all I have to say. God bless you. Remember, you're free. And you're not only free in this world, but you're free in Christ. Amen. Hey. So obviously you can figure out that we have decided to interrupt our little series of studies on Joseph. And we want to talk to you today about our veterans and Memorial Day. And I decided that I would ask a veteran, somebody who was a veteran, to come up and say a few words before... I say a few words, and so I asked Bob Castle, who served in the Navy, if he'd come up and say a few words. Let's give Bob a big warm welcome. Okay, Bob. Good morning. Good morning. Veterans wives and otherwise. <laughs> uh, a little bit about me, not much, just a little bit. As a young man, I joined the Navy with all manner of aspirations, hopes and dreams and fears. And I thought, wow, if I can just get that uniform, I'll come back home and I will be so proud to be able to wear it because my brother was in the Navy, I had an uncle down here that died in a tank 
You can read about what they wrote up about uh, what they found in the tank, which is hardly nothing. But um, I had a background uh, that I respected and loved, and it was for people that was in my family that, that died. Had an uncle that was shot by an American soldier accidentally, and he died. That's my mother's uh, brother. But uh, going into the in boot camp, you know, you don't realize the grind. There is a grind before the glory. And I was looking for the glory without even realizing it. I was very young. But in boot camp, you march on this grinder. And I remember in California, it was like 115 degrees on that asphalt grinder. And you would march and march and march. First of all, you'd get up early in the morning and you'd go to bed late at night or in your rack, they called it. Late at night, you learn how to fold sheets, you learn how to fold blankets, you learn how to put away your equipment, and you learn how to be organized. And if you weren't organized, you wouldn't last very long. I remember we had one guy in our company. He wouldn't straighten his leggings, he wouldn't do this, he wouldn't do that. Guess what happened? A blanket party occurred. You know what that is? That means you throw a, you know what it is. You throw a blanket over him and just beat the stuffings right out of him. And it doesn't, t doesn't take very long for somebody like that to understand they're not, gonna, they're not going to get away with mediocrity or even less than that. So I served six years in all, four active and two inactive. My ship, the Tillamook, uh, the second ship I was on, it was in Vietnam, and my period of time in the, in the Navy extended nine months into the Vietnam uh, period. Uh, in Johnston Island, we were in a nuclear blast, which was quite an ordeal. And you can, you can check that out by looking Johnston Island nuclear blast in 1958. Let's talk about the veterans who have stood up and have fallen down. The veterans that stood up and fell down uh, in Vietnam for the United States was almost 58,000. What about it, civilians? War comes to this country, you're not going to be exempt. Even in that war, two million civilians died. One million Vietnam and Viet Cong died. 250,000 uh, South Vietnamese soldiers died. World War II, which is what my uncle was in, if you want to look at his picture, and you can read a little bit about what they saw when they found him in the tank. He was a gunner in the tank. The tank blew up. Four men got out. It was a five-man crew. It was a Sherman um, medium-sized tank. Four got out. He did not, but they thought he did. Uh, next day, they came around, and they saw him at the bottom of the tank. And they determined, let's make sure that who this is. Let's take his fingerprints. It couldn't do it. His fingers and hands were blown to bits. Had no hands. Let's check his teeth out. They couldn't. His head was blown off. Whatever happened in that tank, it was devastating and it was horrendous. Well, every death brought with it in families a broken, broken heart. Brought a broken heart to my precious grandmother who lost this son. I remember she had so much trouble getting over it. And you realize, those of you that have lost loved ones in the last few months, you realize that when they leave, they actually go with a part of you. Isn't that right? Because when they're with you, you are a part of them. And when they leave, that part of you with them goes away. But it remains in your memory. And that is a precious thing to fondle and to hold those, the fragrance of those kinds of memories. And they are absolutely wonderful. 
So you lose a part of yourself. But we have to say goodbye. We can't do anything about that. They're not going to stay here. So, but it's not forever. What it simply means is this. I'll miss you, but only until we meet again. Isn't that beautiful? Now, let me ask you, have you noticed the flag today? I know you veterans have. This uncle here, I salute him every morning. Every morning and every night. Because he truly gave everything that he had. He gave all of his life in a horrendous, horrendous, devastating way. So have you noticed the flag? You notice as the wind hits it, it unfurls a little bit. In the Navy, we raise the flag every morning at sunrise. And at night, at sunset, we would lower the flag and everybody would salute and then taps would be played for us to go to bed by. But if you notice that flag, if you'll look a little deeper than the wind, you'll find out the fullness of that flag is moved on by the breath, the last breath of those that died for our country. <laughs> and I'm going to be buried in a military cemetery that is fairly close. I'm 82 years old. Hey, I'm looking forward to it. I really am. Uh, I've already lined up where I'll be. I'm going to be in Section P. This man right here will be preaching my funeral if he survives me. And I certainly, I certainly hope he does. And, and, and don't come. You don't need to come. You know why? I won't be there. The corpse, the, bo the body that I was in, it'll be there, but you, you wouldn't even want to see it. It's just going to fade away and certainly go back to dust. But when you look at that, those military cemeteries, they are beautiful. Everything is perfectly aligned. Uh, it, 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 you cannot help but being impressed when you walk through a military cemetery. And inside that cemetery, you see, you don't see the souls, but you see where the bodies were. And you see the final resting place of those that stood up, those that endured pain, do, those that endured privation, those that do, endured the absence of their families. And I'm telling you, that is a horrendous thing. You haven't been away, you've never been away from your family. Next thing you know, you're treated like dirt in boot camp. You, you, you're, you're lined up to do things that you don't want to do, but you have to do, right? It is very, very difficult so straining and so agonizing that your life has has to become ordered right my brother my brother marine over there um, you have to order where disorder was and and it, it it takes its toll and and i remember one time this guy from winchester wayne glazner he became a real good friend of mine he's dead now shot right in the middle of his forehead um, but he and i were tired, exhausted, didn't want to do any more, wanted to go to sleep, but we couldn't. We had to wash our clothes on a concrete scrub board. And we wanted to go to sleep, but we couldn't. I looked over at him, and I said, Wayne, I said, you know what I'm thinking about? He said, what's that? I said, I'm thinking about mother's pinto beans and cornbread. I'm thinking, I'm thinking about her biscuits that were wonderful and gravy. He said, oh, Bob, don't say that. And, and I, I thought I felt his voice flutter just a little bit. But hey, I beat him to it. I looked over, a tear was coming down his eyes, and a tear was coming down mine too, because things in boot camp are hard. So there's a grind, and there's where it was. But I guess there's a glory when you put on that uniform and so forth and so on. But um, let me give you a couple of quick quotes, and I'm, I'm going to close. Bill, thank you for giving me this opportunity to represent veterans. Uh, but veterans are the very leaven 
in this country. Veterans are the leaven, and they permeate the very fabric of our natural, of our natural national system of government and defense. And it's the veteran that does that. The veterans are the ones that stand up. And from the ranks of all the veterans, the great captains come, and they hold our destiny in their hands while they're serving, whether it's behind a gun on a ship, uh, a, a rifle um, on, on the land. But here's what, um, here's what uh, a famous general said. He said, the long gray line has never failed us. And you know what? We may need to erect that long gray line along with a lot of other stuff if things begin continue to get bad and bad and even worse. The, but whenever America stands up and it's men that are called on, women that are called on to serve, that long gray line has never failed this country. Because if that long gray line fails, a million ghosts would rise up from their graves and say, those of you that are in blue and in white and in pale green, you didn't do your job. They would never, never let us live it down. So, but thundering through all of that, they would say, what did you forget? Were you careless? Do you remember your duty? Do you remember your honor? Do you remember your country? And here's what else he said. He said, and this is a five-star general. He says, in my dreams, I hear again. This is what reverberated through his mind as he reflected back on his military career. In my dreams, and this is beautiful, I hear again the crash of guns, the rattle of musketry, the strange mournful mutter of the battlefield. But in the evening of my memory, I come back to my training, to my boot camp. He came back to West Point. And always there in my mind echoes duty, honor, and country. Thank you, veterans. Thank you, America, for allowing us to serve you. It's been an honor and a pleasure. Turn in your hymnals, or it may be on the board, to page 531. Let's stand together. 531. Thank you, Bob. Thank you. Bob's a true blue American, just like I know the rest of you are. And having been in the military makes a big difference. That grinding he was talking about makes you is what makes his heart tender now toward this nation paying that price let's sing America oh beautiful harsh
Remain standing for a second and open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. First Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to ask the Lord to bless us this morning as we open his word. Ah, I stretch my hand to thee. No other I While you're standing, I just want to say a couple of things. If you have your Bibles, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is where we're going to be today. First of all, I want to welcome a couple of uh, three friends who are here with us. Benedict and Kelly Pasalacqua are from Michigan. I have known Benedict's dad uh, probably since before he was born. They were married May the 7th. And they called me yesterday and said, we're going to be with you tomorrow morning. So we're glad to have them. They're over here on my right and your left near the front. And then their friend Taylor, I believe that's right. Is that right, Taylor? Is here with us today. So we're glad to have you guys. Also, so glad uh, to have Michael and Dorothy here from Indiana with us. We have really missed you guys. We appreciate it. And... Last but not least, we're glad to have Calvin LePetri here today. We want to, so glad that Calvin could be here with us. And we want to pray for Calvin and we want to pray for his dear wife, Judy. Now, last week it was announced that uh, Randolph Hall was going to play in an ensemble or an orchestra or something in Spring Hill, and we planned to go. We started getting bad weather, and we just simply forgot it. By the time we remembered it, it was too late. So I want you to know he's going to play tomorrow downtown, either on the square or at uh, Five Points down there. And Randolph is back there in the back, all the way in the back. He's a quiet fellow, doesn't say much, but he's a talented young man, and I, he doesn't know what time they're going to play. So if any of you have some time and you'd like to go down and hear that, hear that I'm sure that would be blessing. Finally... This year, Grace Church will not host the conference in June. There will be no conference this June. They have decided to do a virtual conference, perhaps in the fall, with another conference uh, next spring. So I want all you ladies to know that, those of you who usually help in preparing the food. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1, Brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which you have received, and wherein you stand, by which also you're saved, if you keep in memory, if you keep in 
memorial. If you memorialize what I have preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. May the Lord add his blessings to the reading of his word and let God's people say praise the Lord. You may be seated. We have decided this Sunday, obviously, to interrupt the series of studies on the life of Joseph and talk to you today about the greatest memorial in light of Memorial Day. Sad to say, many, many young people don't have a clue what Memorial Day is all about. They don't know. And that's because we are violating the very principle for which it stands, as I'm going to explain to you. What is a memorial? Well, according to the American Heritage Dictionary, a memorial is something such as a monument or holiday intended to celebrate or honor the memory of a person or an event. So a memorial could be a monument, a ritual, a rite, or I-T-E, rite, a day, a season, or an event which serves as a tool of remembrance. So Memorial Day is a time of remembering those who gave their all to defend and to preserve our freedoms. Eventually, or uh, originally, I should say, it was to celebrate those who died in the Civil War. I think it was something like 650,000 people died in the Civil War. Eventually, it was nationalized and made a holiday. Now, what exactly are these memorials all about? Well, there are three words employed by the writers of the Bible, inspired by the Holy Spirit, regarding memorials that give us a good idea of what a memorial is. From the Old Testament, we have two Hebrew words, and from the New Testament, we have one Greek word. When the Lord called Moses, and he said, I want you to go into Egypt, and I want you to tell the Pharaoh to let my people go, Moses said, well, I can't speak, I can't talk, what shall I do, how shall I do it, they won't listen to me. And the Lord said this to Moses, thou shalt say unto the children of Israel, Yahovah Elohim, the Lord God of your fathers, the God, the Elohim of Abraham, the God, the Elohim of Isaac, and the God, the Elohim of Jacob, has sent me to you. That's what you're to say, Moses. And listen to this. And the Lord said, This is my name forever, and this is my memorial to all generations. Exodus 3.15. That is, the Lord said to Moses, This is how I want you to remember me as Yahovah Elohim, as the Lord who is God. 
When the Lord was about to deliver Israel from Egypt, he instituted the Passover. And before he delivered them, he said there must be shedding blood, shedding of blood. And of course, we know that there can be no deliverance unless blood is shed. And so it is recorded in Exodus 12, 14, this day, this memorial, this Passover, shall be unto you for a memorial. And you shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. And here a different word is used, the word zikron, meaning to remember. This is how I want you to cause your children to remember the great thing that I did when I delivered you from Egypt. For every time they celebrate this Passover, as I'm going to tell you in just a moment, and they ask questions about it, you're to tell them the story of the mighty act of God. And of Jews today still do that. Unlike many Americans who take their freedoms and their liberties for granted. This feast, all of these feasts that they did, which I'm going to mention to you seven of them in just a moment. There were memorial offerings, such as burning a portion of the meat offering. The purpose of that offering was to bring the offerer into remembrance before the Lord and to bring the Lord God into favorable remembrance with the offerer. Then from the New Testament, we have right here in 1 Corinthians 15, in the second verse, where Paul is talking about the gospel, and he says, by which you are saved if you keep in memory. That is the word for memorial. Memosunon is the word, the Greek word. By which the memory of any person or thing is preserved. It's a remembrance. Paul spoke to the Corinthians about the importance of not forgetting the gospel. You must memorialize it. You must keep it in memory. The thief on the cross said, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. The meaning of that is, my whole salvation, Lord, is in your remembering me. May I be memorialized in your mind. And of course, the Lord did remember him, didn't he? This day, I say unto thee, you shall be with me in paradise. Now, there's a twofold purpose behind the memorial. The first purpose is, it is a memory tool. And the second person, it is a teaching tool. It is a memory tool to remind people. We celebrate, we honor a person or an event so that we don't forget it, so that we don't take it for granted. It's a memory tool. And secondly, it's a teaching tool. It's to teach the children what the Lord has commanded not to be forgotten. That's what it was for Israel. So in Israel, the various days, the rituals, the sacrifices, the seasons of the year were utilized for these two purposes, to cause them not to forget, and secondly, as a teaching tool, to tell them what the Lord had done for them. 
We find seven great feasts which ought to be memorialized. I won't turn, ask you to turn there this morning in Leviticus chapter 23 and Leviticus chapter 24. You find the Passover, the Feast of the Unleavened Bread, the offering of the first fruits, the day of Pentecost, which was the Jewish feast that occurred 50 days after the Passover, the Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, and the Feast of Tabernacles. Each of those were to be memorialized. Certain battles were to be memorialized. When Israel fought the Amalekites, they took Moses up on a little hill, and he was to hold his arms out. And as long as his arms were out, Israel prevailed. And when his arms got tied, the Amalekites prevailed. And so two men went up there and held his arms up. Joshua, or rather Aaron, Aaron, who was uh, the high priest, uh, Moses' brother, Aaron and her held up the arms of Moses. And Israel prevailed. And so the Lord commanded in Exodus chapter 17 and verse 14, I want you to memorialize this victory and this battle. Write this for a memorial in a book, listen now, and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. Tell Joshua over and over what it's about, for I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. When Moses consecrated his brother Aaron and Aaron's sons as priests, he had them engrave the names of the twelve tribes of Israel upon two onyx stones. Six names on one stone, six on another. And these stones were to be worn upon the shoulders of the high priest when he went in to the Lord to make intercession. And this is what the Lord said in Exodus 28. And Aaron shall bear their names before the Lord upon his two shoulders for a memorial. It was like you're reminding God that there is a high priest who bears the burdens of the children of Israel. Of course, a beautiful picture of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then additionally, Aaron was to wear a breastplate called the breastplate of judgment. And set in the breastplate were 12 precious stones, each engraved with a name of a tribe of Israel. And what did the Lord say? Aaron shall bear the names of the children of Israel in the breastplate of judgment upon his heart when he goes into the holy place for a memorial before the Lord continually, as if to remind the Lord. And it shall come to pass, the Lord said, when you enter into the land, Exodus chapter 12, which God has promised to give you, that when your children shall say unto you, what do you mean by this Passover service? That you shall say it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover, who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when he smote the Egyptians and delivered our houses. You see, we are to teach our children of the great victories. America is free and has liberties, not because of the size of our armies, but because of the greatness of our God. 
America is free not because of the money we possess, but because of the wealth of the blood of Jesus Christ who intercedes for all those who come unto God by him. These memorials then were for the purpose of graphically setting forth before the eyes of the children of Israel what was vital in the eyes of the God of Israel. And these things memorialized were not to be forgotten under any circumstances. But all of these memorials pale in light of the greatest memorial. Let me mention some more memorials to you. Atonement money. You know, the, the people in Israel had a day of atonement when the priest would go in to the holy place, and there he would offer blood and prayers to God on behalf of Israel, whom he represented, that the Lord would forgive them of their sins. And there was an atonement money for the children of Israel, and it was very important because it reminded each one of them of the atonement. You can read about it in Exodus chapter 30. Each person had to give the same amount, one half shekel, The rich were not allowed to give more, nor the poor any less, because it takes just as much blood to redeem a rich man as it does a poor man. And the atonement money pointed to the value of every soul that the Lord deemed the soul precious. The fact that everyone must give the same amount taught them that all souls are equally valuable in the eyes of him with whom we have to do. But as important as they were, this atonement money was memorialized. It pales compared to the greatest memorial. Why? Why do all of these memorials given to Israel pale in light of the greatest memorial? First of all, because those memorials were for Israel only. But the great memorial, the one I have in mind, is for the elect in every generation, whether Jew or Gentile, bond or free, male or free male, rich or poor. Secondly, all of those memorials given to Israel employed carnal and corrupt things to memorialize spiritual and incorrupt things. The Sabbath day rest of the body, what is that compared to the perpetual rest of the soul? Atonement money represented grace and mercy, which we're told can't be bought with money. Everyone that is thirsty, come ye to the waters, he that hath no money. You have nothing with which you can buy the mercy of God and the grace of God. He says, come to me. Come to me without money and without price. Animal sacrifices were offered for human sin and disobedience. But we read in the book of Hebrews chapter 10, verses 3 and 4, in those sacrifices there was only a remembrance of sins every year. It's not possible that the blood of bulls and goats can take away sins of human beings. Reconciliation between an offended God and an offending sinner can never be affected by animal sacrifices offered by sinful men. 
The greatest sacrifice, the only perfect sacrifice, was the sacrifice offered by our Lord Jesus Christ, and it was only offered once. Listen to this. I'm reading from Hebrews 10. Every priest stands daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices. They were still doing that when these words were written, which can never take away sin. But this man, speaking of the Lord Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down. You see, when the high priest went in there, he could never sit down. There was no chair. Why? Because his work was never finished. But our Lord Jesus Christ, when he offered himself, he sat down, and he didn't sit down here. He sat down at the right hand of God. And he's sitting there expecting all of his enemies to be made his footstool. I was once his enemy, but now I'm happy to be his footstool. I'm happy to bow down and let him put his foot upon my neck, signifying I've been conquered. I've been conquered and brought to him the Lord Jesus Christ by his spirit and on account of his death. All the memorials of Israel have been done away with by and through this greatest memorial. The lambs were replaced with the Lamb of God. The blood of bulls and bullocks was replaced with the blood of God. Acts chapter 20, verse 28. The temporal salvation for Israel was replaced with eternal salvation for all of God's redeemed children, whether Jews or Gentiles. The sinful priest who could never offer an acceptable sacrifice, they were replaced by the great high priest who came down from heaven and offered himself. A temporary system of types and shadows was replaced by a permanent system of substance and grace. Listen again, for the law, having a shadow of things to come, and not the very image of those things, can never with those sacrifices that they offered year by year continually make those who offered those sacrifices perfect. We are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. This man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God, for by one offering he has perfected forever them that are sanctified. Read your Bible. It's all in Hebrews chapter 10. The greatest memorial, dear friends, is the cross. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burdens of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight. And now I'm happy, not just on Sunday. I'm happy on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. I'm even happy on Saturday night. The cross is the great memorial that's memorialized in the mind of the eternal God. The cross is the great symbol of life through death. The death of the Son of God is memorialized forever before the Father in heaven. In the death of Jesus is the death of death. In his suffering is our peace. In his sickness is our health. In his poverty is our wealth. In his death is our life. The death of the Christ is the death of every believing sinner. 
You know, the Bible tells us in Hebrews 9, 27, it is appointed unto man once to die. Well, guess what? I died once already. I died in him. I cannot die again. Twice cannot justice demand my death in my bleeding surety's hand, and then again in me, I cannot die twice. If I died when my Savior died, I cannot die again. The best that death can do to me is to cause me to walk through the valley of its shadow. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because I've already died. You can't kill a dead man twice. The cross is the only memorial that the Holy God will remember. The cross is the only memorial that reminds us of the absolute and perfect redemption and reconciliation effected in our justification. The cross is the only memorial that's for the glory of God, and yet it's where the sinner can glory. God forbid, said Paul, that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. The cross is the only memorial that reminds us that all of the law has been taken out of the way. Listen to this. He has made you alive together with him. He has forgiven you all your trespasses. He has blotted out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he took it out of the way, and he nailed it to his cross. Colossians chapter 2. Listen again. But now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off are made nigh, near by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of the commandments contained in the ordinances. Listen again. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us once are saved. It is the power the dynamite of God. The memorial of Jesus Christ is the cross. And this memorial must be set up in our hearts. And we are to teach our children about this memorial. Day and night, we are to teach them. We are to talk about this memorial with one another. We are to take scriptures and nail them up to our walls and Magnetize them and put them on your refrigerators and in your hall so that you're constantly reminded of the memorial of the cross of our Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The memorial of Christ must be set up in our hearts if we're to be saved. Look again, 1 Corinthians 15. Brethren, I'm declaring to you the gospel, the good news. I preached it to you. You received it. You profess to have received it. You're standing in it by which you are saved if you keep in memory. The word for memorial. If you memorialize it, what I preached unto you, unless you believed in vain. To believe in vain is not really to believe. I say again and finally, the memorial of Jesus Christ is the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, his death on the cross for our sins. 
we enjoy freedom in the United States, as Brother Bob told you, because somebody else fought and bled and died and purchased these liberties for us. But I'll leave you with this thought. Jesus Christ, who's called the captain of our salvation, he led the charge against the hordes of hell. And he's the greatest soldier of all, because listen, he fought for us in the greatest war of all, and he died in battle. He died in battle, but three days later, the Father resurrected him. And I'll tell you this, if you remember him, it's because he remembers you. That old thief, when he was on the cross, he said, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And the Lord Jesus said, I say unto thee today, thou shalt be with me in paradise. May the Lord add these blessings to your hearts as we consider the freedoms we have in this nation using these men and these women who fought and died and bled and were maimed. I saw a person yesterday who had an artificial leg, no doubt somebody who lost it in the war. Used to see an old man at the YMCA. He'd come up there and work out. One of his legs was just a piece of metal that had been put on his leg that had been blown off, probably lost it in war. I want all of you veterans and all of the wives of the veterans to know that we appreciate you. And we love you and we thank you for the liberties and the freedoms we have. And that you are a picture, you are a picture of our Lord Jesus Christ who purchased our redemption by going to war, dying in battle, giving himself, his body, his heart, his soul, his mind, for the glory of the Father and for the good of the souls of men. And that's where our salvation lies, is in the cross. May the Lord 